0: Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at East Coweta High School in Sharpsburg. We invite you to join us for our energetic and passionate worship services. Check us out at realchurchcoweta.com or search for us on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We want to take a look at Galatians chapter one. I want to talk to you about what we talked about last week. Galatians chapter 1, I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible at home, I want to encourage you to bring it, and to bring a pen and a a notepad, and take some notes. You'll forget everything I say by Tuesday morning. You'll forget 92% of what I say by Tuesday morning. I want you to know that. And if you're trying to make some kind of change in your life, not that what I say is all that great, but hey, at least it's the Bible, so that's kind of close. And so, but you'll make, if you want to make some changes in your life, you have to get serious about it. And so if you're going to get serious about it, you probably ought to maybe... Write a few things down here and there. Maybe maybe Holy Spirit's going to speak to you today. Maybe he already has. And maybe you're going to write something down. You know, make a note, make a note on there. You'll forget it all by Tuesday morning if you didn't. I didn't learn that in seminary. I learned that in ed- my education degree. You have to take notes. If you're serious about it, if you really want to change, I would encourage you to do that. We're talking about Galatians. And a lot of people know Galatians from Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to hit on that a little bit today. A lot of people know chapter 5 and chapter 6 is where we know Galatians from, but the first part is really, really good. And last week we talked about what Galatians was, and I want to recap that for you if you missed. Galatians is a book that was written in response to people that were coming to the area, the church, that were coming to the church that Paul had started in the area of Galatia. Paul started the church in the area of Galatia, and he then left and went on to start other churches And when he was in an area called Antioch, there was these people from Jerusalem, they were called Judaizers, and Judaizers basically said this, you have to not only accept Christ as Lord and Savior, you have to not only accept Christ, but you also, you also have to be circumcised, if you're a man, and follow other rules. Now, I said last week, how hard would it be for me to say, does anyone here, does any man here want to give their life to Christ? You come down front. You're like, yes, I want to give my life to Christ. I'm like, well, all right, bro. Drop trowel in the back, man. We're going to circumcise you. You're like, bro, I'm 47 years old. I'm not going to do that. It'd be difficult, wouldn't it? Well, guess what? They came, and they said, that's what you have to do. And so here's what they said. Jesus plus all these other things. That's what they said. Jesus plus all these other things. And not only did they say that, they said, hey, Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. Listen, Paul... Paul's never even been to Jerusalem. He's never even met with our church. As a matter of fact, he's never even sat under any teaching or anything. He hadn't. I'll go one step further. Paul is just trying to impress everybody. All right, you guys know who he was. He's just trying to impress everybody. He's trying to make this thing a lot easier than it really is because it's really difficult. You see, not only do you have to keep keep the the law, you you accept Christ, but you also have to keep... The law. And so we talked last week, we talked last week about how it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And we're going to continue on that path today. So let's take a look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 through 16. Here's what it says it says, Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message that I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. Can I tell you, guys something? Just verse 11, I could stay here and talk to you about that for six weeks. Why is that? Well, because a lot of us today base a lot of our beliefs on mere human reasoning. That's what we do. As a matter of fact, I'll get off on a tangent for a second. There's a lot of people, maybe even you here, who will say this, I agree with what the scripture says on certain topics, but there's other topics that I'm going to omit and leave out. There's other issues that I'm going to omit and leave out because it was written way back then, and our mere human reasoning has taken over. Most of our kids that are getting ready to go to college, guys, girl, you're going to hear some mere human reasoning whenever you go to college. That's what you get. Man, I've studied philosophers. and When you're in your philosophy class, have you ever taken a philosophy class? I, I literally believe that you have to smoke pot to understand the philosophy class. I know my professor did a lot because he walked in and spelt like, I think his name was like John Doobie. I mean, he was like he walked in and he had like, it was like he walked in with a, you know how like Pigpen has a cloud of, he walked in with a cloud of pot smoke around him. All right. And I think he did with some of the students, too, because they were kind of the same way. All right? It's mere human reasoning. You see, if there's no foundation, if there's nothing that, if there's nothing that you can base your life off of, then what happens is, and what the Scripture calls this, it says, that then the sand starts shifting. All right? And it's shifting sand, see? And what it's saying is, is that, listen, the, oh, I, I'm going to believe this instead. Okay, well, okay, well, that's fine. That makes sense. Oh, well, I'm going to believe this instead. Okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. And that's what happens. And that's what Paul said. Paul said, listen, I'm not, I, I'm not basing this off mere human reasoning. And he goes on to say this, I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for traditions of my ancestors. But and I love this is one of my favorite verses in the text. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. And then, don't miss this part, then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Then it pleased him. Now what is the text saying? Here's what it's saying. In order to fully understand, you have to know exactly how they used to teach back then. And I've shared this with you guys before. But what would happen is, is whenever people were about 13, kids were 13 or 14 years old, by the time they were 10 years old, they would have memorized the Torah, which is the first five books of the, of the, of the Old Testament. They would have memorized that by the time they're 10. But whenever they turned 13 or 14, they really kind of weeded out all the, all, all the kids that didn't really have the motivation, and they would have these set number of kids, and they would follow a rabbi around, a teacher around. They would follow him around and they would write down every little thing that that he said. Okay, And what the rabbi would do is the rabbi would read the Old Testament and then he would give his opinion about the Old Testament. You see this all the time in the Gospels because the Pharisees would come up and they would say, hey Moses said this what do you say? What do you think he said? What do you think it means? They did that on the Sermon on the Mount. He actually, Jesus gave his Sermon on the Mount to clarify all of the things that he taught. That's what he did. He clarified lots of stuff on the Sermon on the Mount. And so they would walk around with these teachers, and they would reason. As a matter of fact, one, one, one study, and we'll talk about this eventually, one, one said this, you know, there was two different thoughts, school of thoughts, about divorce, do you just give them a divorce, or do you stick with it, or what do you do? There were two different thoughts. They would reason from the text. And this is what Paul said. Paul says, listen, I'm sure you understand something. I didn't learn that way. This message about Jesus didn't come to me that way. Now, Paul did learn in the temple, but he didn't come to me that way. It didn't. It didn't come from any man. It didn't come from anywhere. You know, it's amazing that people were so angry because of the simplicity of the gospel that Paul spoke. Let me ask you a question. People have often asked me, why do you believe that the Bible is true? Here is the reason why. It's not just because of what he did for my life. And it's not just because I live in, in Georgia in the south and I'm in the buckle of the Bible belt and mama said it's true and daddy said it's true and grandmama and granddaddy said it's true and we are gonna have dinner and lunch on the grounds right after this. And everybody, that's not why. See, I'm a skeptic. You know why I believe the Bible's true? Here's why. If I had to create a religion, if I had to think up in my mind a religion, if I had to literally sit down and said, okay, I'm going to think up a religion, I'm going to create a religion, I would not do it the way the Bible says it was done. You see, if I was going to create a religion, I would have God towering over the people, okay? That's what I would do. I would have the people, so they would stay in line, be fearful of this God, this this God that's going to come down and strike me, this God that's going to come down and discipline me all the time. That's what I would do. I would do that. And let me tell you what the last thing I, I would never, ever create a religion where the God of the universe sends his own son as a baby, a poop on yourself, spit up food baby, in an old, musty, nasty, rock type cave to grow up and to die for me. I would never, ever, ever do that. And neither would you. People ask me all the time, why do you know yours is right? Can I tell you how I know mine's right? It's not just because the Bible tells me so. It's because every other religion on earth is done pretty much exactly how I would do it. That's it. Muslim, that's how I would probably do it. Be fearful of this God and and you know, that's how I would do it. Mormon, work yourself there, man. Work. It's work. It's all about work. I have to work myself into favor. I have to work. That's what I have to do. That's just what I would do. I could go on Hindu, Buddhist. I mean, on and on and on. They're basically very, very all similar with different labels, but Christianity's totally different because it said, "Hey, you're not working yourself up." As a matter of fact. You can't even get here. I'm coming to you, and I'm seeking you out. And I'm going to die in your place. And that's why I believe in the Scriptures. Because I don't think a selfish man or woman would create that kind of religion. It's not even in the realm of our reality. And that's exactly what Paul was saying in these verses. You know, there's three things that I think we can take out of these passages. And here's the first thing I want you to hear. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing that we have done. Nothing. That eliminates our accessibility to the cross of Christ. There's nothing that we have done that eliminates our accessibility to the cross of Christ. There's nothing. Zero. You know, one of the things that um, that happened, I don't know if you guys ever remember the story about Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer was the guy that basically ate people. I'm just saying. Um, He was a horrible serial killer. And um, Jeffrey Dahmer actually when he went to jail, he actually gave his life over to Christ and actually became a radical Christian in jail. I don't know if you guys know that or not. Now let me say something. I wouldn't invite him over for the potluck. I'm just saying. But, but, he became a radical Christian and gave his life over to Christ in jail. And interview after interview, all he would say is about the goodness of Jesus Christ in his life. And how he eliminated all those things. There's nothing that we have done that eliminates accessibility to the cross of Christ. And Paul said the same thing. Paul used the word here. He said, my former life. You know how it was in my former life. There's a scripture in the book of Acts. And I want to teach you a little bit about the Bible today. You've got the Gospels that are the first four books of the New Testament. And then you have the book of Acts. And the book of Acts Is the history. It's the history of the founding of the church, okay? And so what you have is you have the book of Acts, and in the book of Acts, you you have the history, and the books that come after Acts are all of the various letters and teachings that were written about that founding. And then there's a few other things starting at the end. And so we can actually see where Paul was in his life The book of Acts tells the conversion of Paul. But before that, the book of Acts chapter 7 verse 58 tells a story. And I hope we have that scripture up there. Do we have Acts 7.58? Did I not do that? I'm sorry. That's only my bad. Acts 7.58 says this. I want to get to it real quick. Acts 7.58 says this. There was an evangelist named Stephen. And it says this. I'll read it to you. It says, let me get to it doubt me, aren't you? Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. And Saul later became Paul. What's going on? He was one of the main people that wanted them to keep the law. He was one of the main people that wanted them to keep the law. I want you to keep the law. As a matter of fact, He was on his way to another location of a church to kill the Christians. He was a murderer. Paul, the one who's writing Galatians, was a murderer of Christians. He had zeal for the Jewish faith. So much zeal that a guy named Stephen, who was one of the pastors there a guy named Stephen began to go against the leading people, and he was yelling at the people, and and the scripture says that Stephen looked up and saw the heavens open up, and he knew then he was going to die, and he began shouting, and the people got so ticked off that they actually rushed him, took off their coats, threw them over to a guy, and the guy held the coats and watched as they killed Stephen, and that guy was Paul, the one who wrote this message he spoke about his former life. Can I ask you a question? What does your former life look like? What does your former life look like? Here's a bigger question than that. Does your former life and the life you live now, is there a difference? You see, it was radical for Paul It was radical for Paul. What about you? Question, what has God done for you? What has he done for you? And how would you define your former life? You see, Paul says this. He says, hey, listen. I killed Christians for a living. If he can save me, he can save you. There's a guy by the name of Rocco Morelli. Uh, Rocco Morelli was a guy who was a gangster. He was a gangster. Even from a small kid, he wanted to be a gangster. And so he would go and he would shoot these dice and all kinds of stuff. He grew up basically being a runner for the mob. He grew up being a runner for the mob. He started making his way, even through high school, when he graduated, he went in, he started doing these things. At about the age of 24 or 25, he kind of started getting bigger in the mob. He started, he was a gangster and he loved the life. He absolutely loved the life. Interesting story. In order to be fully in the mob, you have to be made. You have to be made. That means you have to kill somebody for the mob. This guy, Rocco, he goes goes to meet with the head of the mob. They said, hey, we want you to kill this particular person. He says, okay, and and you'll be made at that point. He says, okay. He just so happened to have a doctor's appointment that week, and at the doctor's appointment, his doctor said, oh, by the way, we're having a revival at my church on Sunday. Here's a card. Oh, okay. And immediately his mind started working. He thought, you know what? I'm not going to go on Sunday morning. I'm going to go on Sunday night to the revival. And I'm going to take the guy who I'm supposed to kill, I'm going to take him with me to the revival. Because no one would ever think that I would bring a dude to church and then kill him later on that night. But that's exactly what he did. He brought him to church. He walked in. He knew the guy was kind of a religious man, but not really. He was laughing and cutting up with him. The guy had no idea the man, Rocco, was going to kill him a couple hours later. Church service started. They started playing music. Everything started going great. Next song came up, and Rocco was kind of looking around at these people. The next song came up, and then the preacher got up. And Rocco, sitting on the back row, sitting beside the man he was going to murder, began to feel an overwhelming wave hit him. And at the end of the sermon, the pastor invited people to come up. And he said he felt like he was in another world. Coming forward, he came forward and laid his life down to Christ as the man he was going to murder sat back in the back and watched. And from that day until now, he surrendered his life over to Christ. And now he's a preacher. His former life was a gangster, but now he's a preacher. You see, the contrast between our former life and who we are now shows that Jesus is at work in us. There's a contrast. The contrast between who we are and and, and who who we were in our former life and who we are now shows that Jesus is at work. The Bible calls this fruit, all right, calls it fruit. That's what it calls it. Galatians calls it fruit. The Bible calls it fruit. Now, I'll tell you guys, um, I like apples. I don't like green apples, Green apples are only for caramel apples. Does that make sense to you guys? They're too tart. You need a little sweet, sweet to go with the green tart apples. I like red, delicious apples. My thing is, if the word delicious is in your title, you're in. Okay? I want that. Red, delicious. And I like them in the refrigerator. Well, wouldn't you know it? God has a sense of humor, and my lovely bride, she loves green apples. And guess what she hates? She hates. Red Delicious Apples. So if you come to our house, we're going to have green apples in the bowl and Red Delicious in the refrigerator. And never the twain shall meet. That's what we have. We like it. You know why I love Red Delicious? Because it's red and delicious. What's up? It's so good. And I don't like, sometimes with Red Delicious you can get fooled because the apple looks really good and then you go to take a bite and it's kind of mushy. And you're like, dang, man, it cost me two bucks. So when I go up there to the store, I thump on it a little bit. I know people think I'm nuts, but I thump on it. I shake it. I don't do anything shaking it, but I do. I'm like, I wonder if this is going to be one of them good ones. And I'll put it in the refrigerator. And a day or so later, I'll go, Kick. and you know, it'll be good. Or not. Wendy puts her nasty mess in a bowl somewhere, and I don't care about that. But mine are red delicious. What are fruit? Well, fruit is something that that brings about and continues and sustains life for you it's what it does it's one of god's creations fruit galatians 5 says this galatians 5 and 23 says this it says but the holy spirit produces the fruit of the lie in, in in our lives it says the holy spirit produces this fruit in our lives all right i want you to know something about this okay i want you to notice something It doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. It's one fruit. Don't miss that. It's one fruit. It's not fruits. I see pictures all the time with a big bowl of fruit and it says, the fruits of the Spirit. No, it's fruit. It's one. We're all to have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and on and on and good gentleness and self control. There's no law against those things. There's what? There's no law against those things. Well, see, the Judaizers were trying to say, no, you have to keep the law and then you have to keep. No, Jesus brought the fruit of the Spirit to us. And I know, and people know, that you are actually saved by the fruit that you produce. By the fruit that you produce. Why is that? Well, because the contrast between our former lives and who we are right now needs to show that Jesus is at work in your life. That's what it needs to show. This is the final thing I want you to know about Galatians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 16. And we miss this sometimes. God takes pleasure in seeing your life changed. I want you to hear that. God takes pleasure... And seeing your life changed. A lot of us grew up, a lot of us grew up with moms and dads that didn't necessarily take pleasure in seeing us succeed, grow, whatever. You see, a lot of us, our families were dealing with some stuff that we really, we really didn't get the attention we needed. Maybe we didn't get the love that we needed or the acceptance we needed. Maybe, maybe we didn't get the affirmations that we needed. Can I tell you guys something? God knows that. He knows that. The text that we just read says that even before you were born, God knew. And let me tell you what else. God knew who your parents were going to be. He did. He knew where you were going to live. He knew who your parents were going to be. And at the moment of their failure, God had a plan for you not to fail. I want you to hear that. He had a plan for you not to fail. Not only that, He takes pleasure in seeing your life change. He takes pleasure in seeing your life change. There's a scripture in Zephaniah 3.17, and yes, Zephaniah is an Old Testament book, Zephaniah 3.17. It says this. It says that God, the God of the universe, actually sings a song over us. Zephaniah 3.17. He actually sings a song over us. When Blake was little, Wendy would come in sometimes, and I wouldn't sing because he'd be up all night, but Wendy would sing. She would sing some songs to him. They would sing little songs together. And I remember that. And immediately when I heard that, I thought, that's what God does for us. That's what God does for us. He sings a song over us. As a matter of fact, God is our number one fan. He's our number one fan. He's your number one fan. He's cheering you on in this game that we call life. I want to close with this. One of the things that I get a lot with from parents is during the teenage years, and I know this will shock some of you guys, but kids kind of go nuts. All right? They kind of do. Not all of them just 99.999%. They kind of go nuts. And so one of the things that I get, the question I get more than anything from parents when I was doing student ministry was this, because seriously, as a parent, when your kid starts going nuts, you immediately think serial killer in jail, you know, with eight kids by the age of 14. I mean, literally, that's what you think. Your mind starts going crazy. One of the things, one of the things that I have to encourage, I, I, and I've encouraged, them, and it's really funny because one parent in particular when I was at a former church kind of drove me nuts worrying about her kid. Every day it was like, hey, I'm really worried about this kid, and blah, 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 and I said, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. And she was like, no, but I'm afraid he's going to get some girl pregnant. And I was going to say, he ain't going to get no girl, all right? <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest, all right? You're good for at least another... 10, 12 years. But she would call me over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it's funny because he graduated college, and I got a call from her. And she said this. She said, why did I worry so much? Why did I? know God's my number one fan why did, why did I worry so much I tried all those things to make sure that he did this and he did that and today I watched him graduate why did I worry so much and I told her what I'm telling you today I said you know what you know how you felt you know how you felt when you were standing there today and you were watching that kid graduate she goes oh yeah Oh, yeah. I said, that's how God feels about you. That's exactly how God feels about you. And that's what Paul is trying to convey in this first chapter of Galatians. He's our biggest fan. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful For your word and the power held within it. There's nothing else that we can do except follow your word and trust you that it's true. God, let us not be people that try to do everything on our own, but let us be people that trust you enough to give it over to you. Lord, we believe your word. Let us not try to make it more difficult than it really is. Let us not add things on when you're not adding anything on. And more than anything else, God, let us walk in freedom. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to invite you to stand up and sing our final worship song. I don't like doing emotional things like, if God spoke to you, come down front. If he did, you can come down front. You don't necessarily have to. But I will tell you this. that I do believe, like the text says, that even before we were born, that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. If you haven't found that plan and purpose, I want to invite you to come, plug in here, and we promise you we'll help you find that plan and purpose. He knew you before you were born. He knew your parents were going to be, and on and on and on. And the cool thing I like about God is this. If we screw up plan A, he has a plan B. And then if we screw up plan B, he has plan C and D and E and on and on and on to infinity until we go home. He's for us. Let's worship. Thank you so much for listening to this message from Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you'd like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and you'll find our contact information under the contact tab. We would like to have you join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at East Coweta High in Sharpsburg. Until next time, God bless you and take care.